0: Welcome to this episode of On Finding Peace, brought to you by Life's Journey Life Coaching. Our host, Chris Shea, is a counselor, nationally recognized speaker, and author on topics of guiding us to finding peace in our daily lives. Learn more about Chris Shea by visiting his website, www.lifesjourneyblog.com. Welcome, everyone,
1: to uh, another episode of On Finding Peace. and. I'm very pleased to be joined today uh, by my guest, Maggie Steele, and Maggie works with teenagers, is a life coach for teens, and is an author and trainer and a whole ton of stuff that you are, so um, welcome, and uh, look forward to a good discussion on helping teachers
0: Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for reaching out and and wanting to connect in this way. It's 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 a pleasure to be here. So thank no, you.
1: No, wonderful. When when I saw that you were working with teenagers, and uh, that's something that I'm here and there through high school work, and I have a few teens in my private practice, but most of my work has been with adults. So very uh, interesting and fascinating for me to see that you know someone is dedicating mindfulness life coaching to teenagers. So uh, I think that's wonderful and, you know, it be great to hear about. So if uh, you can maybe tell us a bit about yourself and what got you yeah. started on uh, teenage work, we'll uh, jump in from there.
0: Perfect. Okay. So um, I guess, you know, I can start by saying that I myself struggled as an adolescent, um, I struggled, um, with suicide, um, thoughts on a regular basis. I, uh, had a really difficult period, um, probably from 15 to, I'd say, um, 21 was really when I started to, um. Go through the healing process um, and and find another way of being with myself, okay. um, which was exactly what what was the healing. You know, mm-hmm. mindfulness is what supported me in that process. So that's how I, um, I, I come to this work from a place of I've been there. Okay. I may not have the exact experience that you're having. And I know that there's another option. I know that there's another way of being with yourself, of being with your thoughts. And um, that saved me. And, and 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 I feel very strongly that it can save other people. Mm-hmm. You know, suicide rates are um, nationally um, the second uh, highest um, cause of death for youth ages 15 to 24. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is... Is something I, I I take very seriously, and I'm really passionate about this work. And um, I think that part of the reason that I'm so drawn to life coaching is because we're talking about the present, we're talking mm-hmm. about here we are now, what's happening here, yeah. instead of going into what happened to you, you know, and there can be a real, um, it's, it's, it's important to not negate that process. You know, there's some real um, important work that goes on with looking at the past and how it shaped us. Um, But I get really excited about, okay, so where are you now? And what is it that you want to do? Where do you want to go? Because in that place, we can look at, okay, these are the thoughts that you're having in this moment. Um, and, and, And what can it, what does it look like to Recognize them as just thoughts mm-hmm. and see, okay, what what is it you want in this moment? Instead of letting those thoughts govern you and say, yeah, I want it, but I can't have it. Yeah, it, it looks nice, but that's not possible.
1: Right. Try trying, trying to bring that notion that, you know, what you don't think is possible is possible if we just reframe our thoughts or change our perception.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and you know, I appreciate your sharing and, you know, bringing your story with this, because, you know, I think that makes a, a big difference when people are struggling, you know, to know that somebody understands on, on that deeper level.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How were you brought into the notion of mindfulness? You know, it, you know, again, doesn't seem like a normal course of what yeah. happens in the world, you know, people either, you know put You on drugs? Taking a psychiatrist, you know things like that. But you know to have found mindfulness, um, you know, and, and that shift for your yourself—that's that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, thank you. No, I so I I would say that the first my first introduction to mindfulness was actually through theater, through acting, oh. um, and I I because I was so uncomfortable in my own body and my own thoughts. Um, it was such a relief to get into another character. And um, part of what um, I learned as an actor, and I started to learn it around like eighteen, at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, um, which was this idea that if you're in the moment with another actor, then it's going to be more realistic to the audience. You're going to, you're not going to miss anything that happens. So I remember, um, this, this, this acting teacher, Jackie Bartone, it was my first, um, scene with this guy named Josh. And I came into this, the, the, the acting space. And, um, the first line was, how's your sandwich? How's the sandwich? How's the sandwich? And, um, (laughs) and, um, Uh, she cut me off every single time she was like get out you missed it get out you missed it you missed the moment and i had no idea what she was talking about and i was like panicking i'm like what am i doing wrong and then um i finally came in i think it was like the 17th 18th time and um i was like how's the sandwich and he answered and i i felt like i was there with him i i got what he was saying and i came back and i was like oh okay so I'm in the moment. I'm not in my head. I'm in the moment. I'm in, I'm with him. And, um, that was probably the first time that I ever thought of what that meant to be in the moment. And after, uh, probably a year or two later was when I decided to get support. Um, and I, I worked with a therapist who had a background in mindfulness based, uh, stress reduction. And, um, we did some mindfulness work and, um, That was really the beginning of my healing process. But Mm -hmm. I always attribute acting because there was this piece of me that was like, wait, I can actually be in the moment with this other actor. Mm -hmm. And there's some real peace that comes with that. So, yeah. yeah.
1: So it all started with a sandwich.
0: (laughs) It all started (laughs) with a sandwich and Josh Crouch. Yeah. But, you know, and being yelled at <laughs> by Jackie Parton, uh, if she's listening, that I love her.
1: But, yeah, well, that we'll was... this gets sent over to her for credit.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh, no, but but that's that's wonderful because that stick itness, you know, it, it's that we're not just going to let something go, but we're, we're going to do this, and not just for that perfection, but this is what we need. You know and, and mm. you were missing that key component and and she kept you focused on that component you know yes and, and that that made the world a difference I said. <laughs> you know, so
0: it really did I mean I mean I don't even know that she I'm sure she doesn't I never said this to her uh, um but just how profound that experience I mean how many years later you know am I mm-hmm. still kind of thinking about that moment and it's just um yeah it's 18 years ago so I I, I a simple little experience like that yeah. was actually able to support me in getting the help I needed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, which who knew at the time, you know, I mean that, that definitely wasn't her push and wasn't your no. thought. <laughs> um, no. And yet over time now here, you are helping others re- refocus, mm-hmm. you know, in that similar way. So how well, would you define what mindfulness means to you? You know, on a, on a lot of my broadcasts, you know, I, I talk about mindfulness and that is the main pitch of what I do. But from your perspective, how does this look for you?
0: For me, hmm, gosh, it is, um, I'd say, you know, peace in schools. I, I, I am a Mindfulness instructor with them, mm-hmm. um, and we often say it's being here and now with kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, I that resonates deeply with me, and um, I also, I you know, it's it's about bringing awareness to the present moment, and um, with with self compassion, with mm-hmm. acceptance of whatever is there is okay. Right. And um, without labeling it as good or bad or um, right or wrong, it just it is what it is. And can we simply just allow that to be hmm. um, so that, I think, is kind of where I come from with mm-hmm. the, the mindfulness practice. Right.
1: And I like that kindness piece that, that's uh Different feature that when I've talked to other people or even in the readings that I've done, it's, I think, implied, but Mm -hmm. never really heard that vocalized. You know, that this is, you know, staying in the moment with kindness. and uh, Because
0: how often are we so hurtful and harmful to ourselves? It's like... You know we we don't even pay attention to the things that we're saying to ourselves. if we did, I think we'd be really surprised if we if they were like if we were able to take our thoughts out and look at them and see what, what we're actually saying to ourselves. it's I think most of us would be like horrified um that that's what's going on in the background every second, you mm-hmm. know, um it, it's it's disturbing. and so. It's really important to, I think, um, and part of what I attribute my healing to is bringing that compassion and kindness mm-hmm. to those voices, those thoughts that you're having. And, and, and just not, not taking them as full-blown reality, you know? Like, that is just a thought I'm having. That is not cement truth, you mm-hmm. know? I think that's, that's yeah. key.
1: Oh, definitely, because self-talk gets mm-hmm. us in the most trouble and, you know, it's, it's that self-talk where, where, like you say, if we really wrote all that down and, and to see what we accept as far as what we can say to ourselves, we would never say to another person, but it's okay to say that to ourselves. You know, and yeah, you know, and and that's part of what got me into the mindfulness was, you know, my training in cognitive behavioral work, looking at those types of thought patterns and how do you shift the thought pattern, you know, because Mm -hmm. that's really what is key to healing. But you have to be in that present moment, you know, we we have to kind of sit still with ourselves and, you know, understand that. And I guess for me, you know, in, in what work I've done with teenagers how do you get them to sit still, you know, especially in today's day and age, you know, they are mm-hmm. so bombarded just like all of us, but you know, they're more ingrained in that bombardment of the phones and the electronics and the notifications and the, you know, that one of the things that I do right now with teenagers is, you know, we go on retreats and we try to spend some quiet time and they to sit still for like a half hour of just kind of quiet. It, it can't happen. <laughs> we <laughs> do our best.
0: <laughs>
1: How do you so, work with that with mindfulness?
0: Yeah. Um, well, again, I think it's the the mindset and the approach of there's no right or wrong way to do this. So, mm. you know, it's, it's, I think as adults, oftentimes we feel like um, this is what needs to happen. It needs to look a certain way and, mm. and, and, And actually, you know, if we're, if we're just flowing with whatever shows up and allowing it to be whatever it is, Mm -hmm. same thing with our mind, our thoughts, you know, it it can, it can really just allow the adolescent to, it gives them this freedom, um, which at this particular developmental stage in their life um, is really important. Mm -hmm. It gives them this choice, right? right? And um, instead of giving them the specific, okay, you have to do it like this. This is what sit. And and, and another piece that I'll add is that it, little by little, you know, expecting a lot in the first go round, it, it's just, it's overwhelming. Um, I mean, for me, when I first started um, practicing mindfulness, I mean, that was overwhelming to, to sit for 20 minutes. I mean, oh my gosh. So even mm-hmm. just three minutes. You know, what is it like to just be here with three minutes of silence, just noticing the breath, noticing um, when you're having a thought and coming back to the breath? mm -hmm. Okay, great. You know, Um, so I there's an organization called Inward Bound Mindfulness Education. (laughs) It's a five day mindfulness retreat for teens. And um, I've been doing that with the teens for the past uh, three years. And I mean, they sit for... Gosh, I want to say, I want to say, like, one, two, two, probably almost, yeah, I think it's about seven or eight sessions of 20 minutes a day. Nice. Um, so that's a lot of <laughs> silence. And there's silence in the dorms. So um, you can imagine,
1: it's, it's challenging. Means no, phones, no technology in that way of...
0: Mm hmm. So there's so there's no phones at the retreat. So they give their phones in for the five day retreat. Um, it's kind of like, you know, just this is an opportunity for you to mm-hmm. just be with you and with your, your peers. So, um, yeah, we ask that they turn in their phones. And um, and in the dorms, it's like, it, you know, the idea is that if somebody wants to come in and just sleep or just be alone and write, that they're not going to be distracted by a lot of noise mm-hmm. um, and that sleeping is really, a, the dorm is really there to, to rest or to sleep but right. not to like socialize and you can socialize outside of the dorm right. but um, it can be challenging at first but by the end of the retreat, everybody's like I don't know if I want to go back to <laughs> the real world, you know? Exactly. it's so uh, I don't know if I want my phone, God, you know, it's so I think to answer your question, it's just Little by little, introducing little things and not attaching mm-hmm. to any particular outcome that we want as adults, right. you know, um, which is hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I notice myself as well. Like, I'll be like, "Oh, I kind of want them to experience this." It's like, well, you know, th- they'll they'll get what they mm-hmm. what they get out of what I have to offer.
1: Right. Yeah, and and, and I like that because is the whole freedom and, and the choice you know let, let them mm. you know guide that in, in that sense but th- that is amazing though that you know they can find that sense of peace you know where they don't mm. want to leave they don't want their phones they don't want you know like what they felt was necessary for life uh now they realize isn't necessary for life um and, and the difference it's an
0: amazing Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's an amazing experience to witness. And um, yeah, if anyone's interested in looking up that organization, Inward Bound Mindfulness Education, um, IBME, and then uh, the organization that I teach mindfulness at um, a high school, Franklin High School here in Portland, Oregon, Mm -hmm. um, is part of Peace in Schools, which is the first Um, organization to offer four credit mindfulness classes in the nation. So instead of physical education, for example, um, students can choose mindful studies.
1: Nice.
0: So it's, yeah, it's, it's both of those are pretty incredible. I feel very, very grateful to be a part of both of those organizations.
1: What does mindfulness studies cover?
0: Mindful studies covers a lot. So it's a, a 30 week, it's a semester long program. So we get to work with students, um, you know, we, some three, three days a week or two days two two or three days a week, it depends. Um, but you know, it covers everything from, you know, learning how to focus, um, the attention mm-hmm. on the breath, um, the body, uh, sounds. Um, we talk about the conditioned mind. Um, we talk about self-talk and, um, yeah, just, we cover so nice. many things, loving kindness, um, understanding what it's like to cultivate self-compassion, mm-hmm. compassion for others. Um, yeah, we nice. we cover quite a bit.
1: Nice. And is this something that they can choose to do or is this part of their curriculum or
0: Yeah. So it's, it's an elective and it's a four credit elective. Mm -hmm. So instead of, for example, physical education or another option, um, they they can choose mindful studies for a semester. Um, It's semester long and um, we do mindful movement for a portion of the class Mm -hmm. and then mindful studies, which is uh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What I just shared.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's really excellent. And it is, this information, you know, I'm thinking that others, you know, might be listening to say, Hey, you know, can yeah. we bring our school system or our school, you know, like, what do we do? Cause th- this would is yeah.
0: awesome. Absolutely. So peaceinschools.org um, is, is where you would go. And um, I be me is um, national. So there are retreats on the East coast and the West coast um, and in some areas in the Midwest. Right. No, that... IB.org. .dot .info. I think it's IBme.info. IB.me.info.
1: Oh. We can try that. Um, cool. Yeah. No, that, that you know, to get kids in there, because you know what I'm thinking with teenagers to help them through all of their life struggles, if they can learn mm-hmm. techniques how much better their early adulthood is going to be you know that they can spread that to others i'm sure it you know leads someone into their family life and just really change things um how do you see teenagers you know taking this i mean do do they seem receptive to something like a mindfulness or is it totally bizarre to them or both
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's both. I, 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 you know, it depends on the teen and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't want to speak for all, all, all teens everywhere that I've worked with, but, um, I, I will say that, um, there are so many that, um, basically say that it has changed their life that, and, I'm not saying that lightly. Like I'm, I'm being very honest with those words. Like, um, we have a, a video of a student right now on the Peace and Schools website that shared her story, and um, she she really does say that it has changed her life. Um, I I know what it did for me as a young adult, um, and. You know, I I think the reason I'm here is because of what I learned sure. to do um, and how I learned to practice. So I I really I, I think what we're doing is a really big deal. And um, it it you know I mentioned the suicide rates earlier. This is this is an opportunity to support our youth, give them tools that they can use, um, no matter their Socioeconomic status. This is not mm-hmm. about um, needing uh, to pay for any services. This is, you know, you have everything you need. Right. You just all you have to do is um, learn some tools on how how to focus the attention and notice thoughts. And um, I mean, the impact has been pretty huge.
1: Mm-hmm. Are there st- uh, statistics on this yet that show, you know, in you know? Proper behaviors versus suicide rates or uh,
0: you know, uh,
1: kids getting in trouble or things like that. And has any of that been studied yet or is it still, you know, the the anecdotal that, you know, yeah, we know it, it works we keep doing this.
0: Well, well, we do know um, because of brain scans and research around uh, the, the change in the gray matter of the right. brain that mindfulness does. And practicing meditation does impact um, us in a positive way. Uh-huh. Um, we we definitely know that in the developing brain of the adolescent, um, it does support emotional regulation. Um, and because the prefrontal cortex hasn't been fully developed, that's a really important piece. Yep. Um, but um, as far as suicide ideation, because that's a really a key piece of my interest okay. with this and i think it supported me um in, in thinking differently around um that I, I know there's been research around veterans okay. um who, who are, and who practice mindfulness and had suicide ideation and that there was a shift there mm. uh that took place but in adolescence i'm not aware of any research studies that have been uh, that have been have happened as of yet there may be mm-hmm. um i just i'm not aware of them
1: yeah and and you know to me whether the research is there or not i i'm all for this and you know wish this was spread all, all around mm-hmm. you know mindfulness yeah. does work you know and, and it is life-changing and it's something that leads you know people to find and you know for teenagers in this tumultuous times that's what they're looking for is you know how can I find some, I find something, you know, in, in my own life, uh, you know, I think this gives them a way to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And another piece that I, I think is really important, you know, I work with teens individually with my life coaching practice Mm -hmm. and we incorporate mindfulness in those interactions, but I really do think that there's a lot of value that comes from, um, group work and having other teens sh- connect with on an ath- in an authentic way mm-hmm. um, and that takes time you know building trust and um but i think that there is something really important that happens and unfolds in a group setting because i know for me specifically um you know i felt as the i, I was in isolation i didn't i i didn't feel like anything anyone else was going through what i was experiencing and that was part of the reason that that i felt like suicide was the only option i felt like i was so not where i was supposed to be mm-hmm. mentally and and that something was really fundamentally wrong with me and what we what we see in the group setting is that suddenly it's like people are connecting and hearing one another and sharing their stories and there's this understanding that whoa i'm not alone mm-hmm. i actually have people in my class that are maybe not struggling in the exact same way i'm struggling but they're struggling yeah. and there's some their pain there and that That connection is critical, I think, to healing.
1: Most definitely. Uh, I've worked for a few decades now with addictions, and you see group work and, you know, the self-help groups. That's what makes it work, you know, is you don't have Mm -hmm. to have experienced exactly what, you know, each other has. But the fact that everyone in that group understands makes a world of difference. You know, I'm not alone. Others out there get it. And we can join in that. And teenagers generally tend to like we like to say, you know, like run in packs. You know, they're they're in yeah. groups, you know. That's- so yeah, to bring them together. And the other thing that, you know, I found working with teenagers is a lot of times they hold all of this in, you know, and, and it's hard to realize what suffering they are going through. And with some of the teens, you know, that I, I would see on a daily basis and, you know, they seem like, you know, life is wonderful. And then they start telling you about their family life and their own struggles and what's going on. And you're like, whoa, you know, like, who would have ever thought you were going through all this? Yeah. Because they're roaming around like life is great.
0: hmm. hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's really important that you even mention that is because, you know, I I remember 14 there were people that nicknamed me sunshine uh, in, in school and mm-hmm. I was th- contemplating suicide at that time um you know it, there's no um, there's no way to really know what someone is going through just by how they behave mm-hmm. and I think that that's such an important piece to, to understand if we're going to support adolescents and, and prevent suicide. Like yeah. we can't just be looking for signs. Um, um, you know, there, there may not be the ideal, you know, red flags or, or things that we, mm-hmm. we think makes them at risk. You know, right. it could be, yeah. Yeah. It could just be flying yeah. under the radar.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and doing this by themselves you know, which, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at things like this mindfulness and, and, you know, just off the top of my head, when I hear, you know, with, with this, you know, peace in schools initiative, because, you know, that to me would be, how do you get a teenager to come out of themselves to share, you know, what they're struggling with and what's going on mm-hmm. instead of just roaming around like, you know, hey, life is wonderful. And that's the persona I'm going to show you. Mm-hmm. They have a means, you know, by, well, I'm going to take the selective and, and Mm -hmm. this way I can maybe learn something and and come out of myself and um and it's an easy way because you know the other students could say something and say yeah I just didn't want to take gym you know so I'm just going to do this um but besides that how do you find teenagers to be able to you know how would you tell other adults you know how how do you get teenagers to get the help that they need.
0: Yeah. So do you mean um, in my individual practice or, or in, in school? Which, yeah. In, in general,
1: way? I mean, generally speaking, and if it's, you know, examples with your own practice yeah. or within the school, because, you know, I'm thinking, you know, when you see these teenagers who are roaming around, who seem like everything's put together, you know, mm-hmm. and, and life is great, but there is that inner, what would we as the adults who's looking at this teenager who seems everything's great, how do we find out what's going on and, and get them into like a mindfulness and, and just something that would help them to not have to do this alone or not have to put on this happy face persona?
0: Yeah, yeah. Beautiful question. I I think that um, one of the most important Things that you can do as an adult is, and and research supports this as well, is to engage, mm-hmm. engage, and listen, um, ask questions. You know, um, without you know. So, for those of you listening that aren't trained as life coaches, mm-hmm. you may not um, have. Um, an understanding of reflective listening or um, what that what that entails and oftentimes what happens is that um, adults when they interact with teens they're coming from a place of I know best for you or um, I have something to offer you I, I, and it's coming from a place of deep care mm-hmm. and and compassion and um what what that does is it shuts down, The teen it 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 makes it so that there's a right and a wrong. They're wrong, you're right, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you have the answers, they don't. And it just it it will put up a wall. If there was a wall already, it will make the wall even thicker. If there wasn't a wall, there up goes the wall. So really, what what I would encourage you to do is to practice. Asking questions and reflecting back what you're hearing without giving your insight, without mm-hmm. giving your thoughts uh, to the teen, it gives them an opportunity to feel heard. Mm. It gives them an opportunity to be seen, to be understood. And that little by little mm-hmm. will allow them to open up to you Um if you come at it as I've got this great program for you, this is what you need. Again, you're coming at it in a way that says you're bad, you're wrong, you're broken. You need to be fixed. And that's not going to offer the teen an opportunity to feel comfortable enough or safe enough to share with you what they're having. In fact, it's feeding without you maybe even knowing it's Mm -hmm. feeding. This is the negative self-talk that's saying something's wrong with me.
1: True, because we're putting that out there and, and, and that's great advice. And and I, I can appreciate you sharing that because what we try to do is, is give out some practical tips. And, you know, a lot of people listening to this aren't the professionals and, you know, might work routines yeah. or have teens. And, you know, to know, you know, yeah, just to be open, to listen, to ask for their advice and opinions and, and I, I guess treat them like people. You know that that they're not you know five year olds that don't have a clue. They have a clue. You know. Oh,
0: they have a. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, all of my coaching clients. It's that that's kind of the the main thing that they underline at the end of our time together that they felt like they really were able to get clear about who they are Mm -hmm. just by me holding up the mirror, essentially. Mm. You know, a lot of people think that life coaches are there to advise and tell their clients what to do. And and that's really a a misconception. That's not what we do. You know, we, we trust that the client is naturally um, resilient, creative, whole, resourceful and that they have the answers. And I do that with my teens. You know, I, I I trust that they know what their strengths are. All I'm doing is shining a light to help them get clear about what those strengths are, how they can leverage them, uh, so that they can move forward mm-hmm. and and cultivate a, a life and connections with others that they feel good about.
1: Yeah, yeah de- definitely. And I've always looked at it where I'm the guide, you know, the Yes, I don't know another person as well as the other person would know themselves. So Absolutely. I can be objective. I mean that that's a bonus. But yeah, all I can guide you. You know, and what what I I really like in the work that I've done with teenagers, and you know, is their insights that they, they do have insight into what's happening around them and their families and their friends more so than I think we ever give them credit for understand you know they may not always know what to do with it you know there, there might be some confusion next steps but their insight into what's happening and what they would like to see it's, it's tremendous what, what they have and, and i wonder where we as adults lose some of that <laughs> i think they have that better than we do at times
0: yeah yeah absolutely um and and i mean we could speculate that that's, you know, it's part of the conditioning, you know, mm-hmm. that we after experience after experience, after experience teaches us, Oh, well, you got to be careful or, Oh yep, that's a little bit too risky. Whereas adolescents are in this developmental stage where it's like, let me try that. Mm-hmm. What's that? Let me explore that. Yep. And um, yeah, I mean, there's so much going on right now around conversations, brain scientists and, people that are interested in kind of restructuring our education system mm-hmm. to support and kind of nurture uh, the adolescent brain at this stage yeah. in development instead of it being what it's been for years, mm-hmm. which is, you know, algebra, science, history, you know, sure. instead of like creating a new way to support this like really vibrant and mm-hmm. I- incredible time that's happening neurologically
1: yeah oh definitely you know this is where they're forming things you know and and like i say once once we you know show them and demonstrate over and over what they're not supposed to be forming then they'll stop forming it you know and and Mm -hmm. move on but it, it it is great to see some of that thought process. And you know, a, a few times I've talked to different teens after they've done something and you know, you can really look at it and say, like, well, that was really dumb. And not that I would say that to them, but I'm thinking, like, that was really dumb. Why would you do that? <laughs> but you know, when when I would ask them, you know, like, what were you thinking when you did whatever it was? And a few times they'll look at me and go, I wasn't, I'm a teenager. I'm supposed to do stuff like this. <laughs> know, mm-hmm. and that kind of hits me, you know, is there is kind of that understanding I'm supposed to, de- you know, experiment. I'm supposed to try this stuff, you know. You know like I'm a teenager. <laughs> you know, what did you expect me to do?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I I really think that oftentimes adults because physically adolescents can often resemble a young adult. Mm-hmm. I think that that parents and adults often um the expectations are a lot higher than an adolescent is able to, to meet because of the de- developmental stage of their brain um, that we forget that, mm-hmm. you know, the part of their brain, the prefrontal cortex that is able to rationalize and think things through and look, look at the outcome and potential uh, possibilities of things happening in the future isn't fully developed. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I know for me, looking back, there are two specific situations as an adolescent that I am still just absolutely blown away that I didn't realize at the time that that was unethical or bad or that there would be a potentially bad outcome. Mm-hmm. I remember myself in both situations going for instant gratification. Literally, I I didn't – I just i was just like huh like that's not a bad and i know that my brain like it just wasn't it, it wasn't making sense to me mm-hmm. that that was not a smart thing to do right.
1: yeah and and brain science has taken us you know places in in that sense of understanding it better you know and and mm-hmm. i think it's important and, and i really wish there was some way to get more parents to understand that you know, until they're almost mid-20s, you don't have a fully formed prefrontal cortex. And, you know, they are going to do stupid things or, or you're gonna get answers like, I didn't think, you know, because they can't think it through, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully we do. And, and I think that that is that, you know, where you, you look at them and say, but I would have thought that through. Why didn't you think that through? Well, your prefrontal is already formed. <laughs> <laughs> Hers isn't. <in> <laughs> Yeah, You know, so I hope you would have thought that for as an adult, <laughs>
0: you
1: know, but, and that's not to, you know, let them get away with stuff. I mean, that, those are learning no. times, but, but you know, to really, you know, put that on them that you should have when they just, whether they would try or not, they can't, it's just not there. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate you mentioning, yeah, it's, it's not, um. It doesn't mean that we can't have conversations around mm-hmm. looking at what happened and, and seeing how you feel now and what could you have done differently. I mean, those are really, really helpful yeah. conversations for adolescents because right. the, in retrospect, they're able to see, OK, so that caused me a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. What what could I have done differently? What strength could I have like, you know, for using the example, like leveraged? um, and how could that have helped me have a different outcome? Yeah. You know, those are really powerful conversations to oh, have, yeah.
1: you know, and and like what you were talking about earlier. I think that's what helps the the team to have that trust with the adult. You know, if we can have that conversation versus saying, well, you should have and then, you know, here's your punishment to really talk that through. Right. That should probably help, you know, so that if the teenager finds themselves in trouble or feeling suicidal or feeling, you know, hopeless or whatever it may be, you know, you would hope they could go to that person and say, "Here's what I'm feeling," without, yeah. you know, knowing, you know, they're not going to be judged by that. They're not going to be, you know, told whatever, and uh, but it'll be taken seriously and kindly and with compassion.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And I I really do think that there's such a stigma um, around mental health issues and challenges um, in our society Mm -hmm. that it it can be really scary to come forward and say that, especially if you know someone that's been um, hospitalized and they told you the story of what that was like for them. And, you know, it's it comes with a lot. And um I think it's really important that we start talking more openly mm-hmm. about mental illness and um, suicidal thoughts and, yeah. um, you know, things like well, that. I, I
1: totally agree because it, it's really, for me, heartbreaking when I hear a teenager come and say, you know, I think my friend is suicidal, but I don't want them in trouble. Or I don't want to get in trouble. Mm. You know, that they're they're associating, you know, this condition with punishment. You know, versus, yeah. you know, this is what somebody is going through. What can we do to help them? They're viewing it as punishment. Right? And we, we need to get rid of yeah. that. That can't be viewed that way.
0: No, no. And it, I mean, it's the same thing. I know you said you work with um, addictive um, behaviors. And I, I I feel like, you know, there there is this kind of mindset um, that, you know, addiction is is bad mm-hmm. it's almost like addiction and criminality are just yeah. like hand in exactly. hand and it's like it, it's so it's it's so frustrating to me mm-hmm. because I mean what we know about addiction is that it's often because of other underlying exactly. behaviors and challenges and experiences that that addiction is kind of like what happened because of it's the, the coping mechanism mm-hmm. that turned into potentially yeah. an illness. I don't know. That's not my area of expertise. I could be Oh no, you're uh, you're uh, on and
1: and and your premise though is a hundred percent true in, in that you know you're you're dealing with you know addiction as mental illness and and you know it's unfortunate that in you know this century we can still look at an addiction as a moral failing and mm-hmm. we can create the criminals out of addicts. You no, know, versus, you know, you, you wouldn't think any more of doing that with any other mental illness. You know, and, and we used to. You know? I mean go back in the early histories of how you treated people with certain mental illnesses and uh locked them up or put them away and didn't treat them well. And and yet we're still doing that with a segment of, of the population. Um yeah. Yeah. don't have an answer for that yet, but but you you're right on with that. And and to see that attitude put over to teenagers when it comes to suicide is is just not good because they're not gonna come forward if they think they're gonna get in trouble, if, they're gonna, if they think they're gonna yeah. get punished, they're not gonna come forward. And if they don't come forward, well, you know, you gave the stats <laughs> and, and that's what happens when you don't come yeah. forward. So now yeah. you know, when you look at you know, this piece in the schools and, and these retreats that you're doing and, you know, the the outings, is there a component for the family? You know, I mean, where, where do we help the family to understand? Because, you know, the kids can go back after these five days, you know, like, hey, this is great, and here's what I learned. I feel so good about me. And you could run up into your parent that goes, yeah, well, that was a bunch of whatever. And you know, Is there a family component to any of this stuff? Yeah, that's
0: such, a, such an important point. Um, so at the end of the five-day retreat at, with IBME, mm-hmm. um, one of the teachers um, meets with all the mm-hmm. parents if they if they want to come early on the day that they pick up. It's a choice. And um, if they want to sit and they basically give them a kind of debrief of what they've just gone through for five days and and what that might feel like and what that looks like. And um, so that's a really beautiful nice. piece to um the retreat uh with peace in schools you know um we're not there yet and i think that that's definitely on our radar um trainings for educators um is something that we're doing um for counselors for those that support youth in those settings um but for parents we're not we offer sorry we do offer um uh workshops in Oregon okay. for parents of teens. I yes, I'm sorry. We're doing we're doing an upcoming one uh very soon. I don't have the dates on me, but yes, so mm-hmm. we do do that. Okay. Um so there are some parental mm-hmm. components. I I I feel like that's a really really important piece and I mean when we talk about family systems, it's like you can't just focus in right. on one person and not look at, you know, the whole mm-hmm. dyna- family dynamic. And I mean, for me with my coaching, you know, I always connect with the parent after a session, but via email, not giving specific details about right. what we focused on to confidentiality yeah. reasons, but I give them an idea of a suggestion of how they could support their team that week. Um, and I think that, that's another way that you can mm. kind of connect
1: yeah. the pieces. Oh, definitely. You know, because, and, and I like that, you know, how can you support your team? You know, because that's really mm-hmm. the nexus of that question. You know, that, you know, you, you get these teenagers who are learning so much about themselves and, and that kindness to self and the compassion and, you know, everything that's positive mindfulness. And then if it, you know, they keep hitting the brick wall when they go home, you know, you, mm-hmm. you wonder how much to that, you know, going where if there was at least some understanding, where even the parent do not have to buy into it necessarily, but at least enough understanding to listen to the, uh, you know, to their child, so that uh, you know it, it can keep reinforcing, you know, and and you know the the person can still do what they're doing. Um, so that that's excellent, you know, to have some sort of follow up. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And and there may be situations and I have had many situations where um, the caretaker, the parent um, just isn't on board Mm -hmm. with the work that the teen is doing. And um, in that case, it's just another learning opportunity for the teen of like, you know, what how can you respond to this situation? Mm -hmm. You know, what tools do you have to ensure that you feel good, you feel safe and you can keep moving toward in the direction that you want to move? In and that happens a lot, you know. Um, that comes up in our sessions, and Mm -hmm. um, it's just another opportunity to go, okay, so this is what I'm faced with, and what can I do instead of you know depending on the person in your life to be on board or or support you in a way that you want to be supported? Mm -hmm. Because realistically. Um, we can't change other yeah. people. We can't make people yeah. the way that we want them to be.
1: And, and it, it's unfortunate it would be from the parent, but it would be a the lesson because in the future, you're not always going to run across people who are going to be supportive. You know, so you're preparing them for, for the future. In an unfortunate circumstance, but still. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. but yeah, a good life lesson with that. So... Yeah. For uh, I guess some parting words of wisdom. What what would you say to sum some of this stuff up? As uh, as all that we've taught. Yeah. Um.
0: You know, I I feel like to sum it all up. I think it's really important to hold space for one another's experience, um, and you know to not put each other in boxes or label each other and you know i think it's easy to do that when you are trying to help someone Mm -hmm. and if that person is your child or your student and you know instead i would invite people to hold space for that person's experience and to simply just reflect back what you're hearing i think that alone can really offer more support than anything that you advise or, or tell them to do. Nice.
1: Yeah. That, that's words of wisdom <laughs> for all of us.
0: <laughs> not always easy, not always easy to do, well, you know, but I do I do think that there's a, a, a lot of um, good that can yeah. come out of it.
1: And, and I totally agree. You know, I mean, nobody said life was going to be easy, but, you know, <laughs> especially in, in the dealings that I've had with teenagers, one of the things that I do love is even the ones who are really suffering with whatever's going on in our family, they find happiness somewhere. They find hope somewhere. And, you know, in a lot of cases, they don't let that whole thing bring them down. And and that's something that I have to remember, you know, is that the, there is good. Um, and we just have to keep looking for that. You know, we find yes. it. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you and uh, what you do? How's the best way for them to do that?
0: Yeah, um, I guess that you can email me. So it's Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E, at com. Great. So,
1: yeah.
0: And you can check out my website, thelifecoachforteens.com. Um and, yeah, I, I look forward to hearing from anyone and, mm-hmm. and supporting anyone that needs um, some help or support on the way. Perfect.
1: So and uh, you do your life coaching online, I see, on the website. So people don't have to be in Portland, right?
0: <laughs> yes. I, yes, I do in person in Portland and via FaceTime, Skype, and mm-hmm. all sorts of <laughs> tech techie ways all over the yeah. states so yes i can meet you online perfect
1: perfect just opening up the base for you cool. <laughs> so, yeah
0: uh, thank you excellent all right
1: well, I really appreciate your time and the wisdom you share and you know hopefully this is something that can help change somebody's life and um mm-hmm. and maybe we can get people in, in other uh areas around the country you know and really help more teenagers uh, i appreciate our, all your sharing and, and everything that you're doing
0: thank you chris appreciate it you're welcome take care bye Bye. thank you for listening to this episode with chris shea learn more about chris shea by visiting his website www.